Hello, my name is Mark Iskowitz. I'm editor-at-large for MMNM, and I'm super excited to be part of today's sponsored podcast with Triple Threat Communications. Here with me today is Tim Frank, owner and managing partner. Tim, thanks so much for joining us here today. You're welcome, Mark. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, so let's just get into it here. Uh, Triple Threat Communications has been around since 2004. It's a familiar name to many in the medical marketing industry. But for those who don't know, tell us about it and how and why you started the business and what was your inspiration? Yeah, so I was, uh, I'd been working in the big agency networks. I'd worked at, um, within publicists at Saatchi and then at Euro for close to a decade. And I was actually going out, I was at a position within uh, one of the, the big agency networks where I had about four or five different teams that I was managing across maybe six or seven different brands. And I was going out to dinner with one of the brand leaders. Um, and I realized as I was walking to the dinner that, you know, I knew his brand, but I didn't really know his brand the way that I would have used to have known a brand when I was working more directly with the brands, right? So I had gotten to a spot where I was managing groups of people, groups of brands, and I realized that that's not really what I wanted to be doing. So it started me down a path of thinking, well, maybe there is a, uh, an untapped need in the market. Maybe there's a need that, that we can fill and that there's a gap. And that gap is a gap of of an agency that has really experienced people that just want to get back to working on the day-to-day efforts of the brand. And so I wanted to think about that a lot more. And I was thinking about what I was doing. And, you know, in my previous job, I was working off of Excel spreadsheets and working on comp to income ratio and all the needs of the network. And again, that's just not what I really got into this to do. Got into this to really help brands succeed, uh, improve patients' lives. And I found myself managing more of network needs. So I started thinking, where could I, what could I create? What could I do that was different? And could I find enough like-minded people to be able to actually create a sustainable agency? And about that same time, I was going on vacation with my family. And I was just going through the bookstore in the airport. And I had a couple of little kids. And so they're kind of, you know, hanging around my feet, grabbing at my, grabbing at my hands and my pants and everything. And Kids never do that. <laughs> I know. Luckily, it was my kids doing that. And that's some other. <laughs> this book caught my eye. It was called Getting Naked. And it was in the business section of the bookstore at the airport. Of course, you see a book that says getting naked, that may catch anybody's eye, but it, but it caught my eye. And I said, well, I wonder what this is and why is it in the business section? And so I grabbed it and it was a book by um, this business consultant. His name is uh, Patrick Lencioni. I hope I'm saying it correctly. And he creates and writes books about businesses and the health of businesses and how they can improve their businesses. And this was a business fable. It was all about a consulting firm and a guy that was part of a big network, let's just call it consulting firm that worked across all these different clients and had their process and the way that they do things in place. And he ended up going and consulting with a smaller agency. And he started to understand these things about how the agency did things. And for some reason, this book just really spoke to exactly where I was in my business life and what I was thinking at the time. And it it comes off the back of you know this dinner that I had had that I just told you about. And really in this book, it's all about in a client service industry, the most important thing that you can do or be is vulnerable and how to be vulnerable with clients and how to be transparent with clients and how to have humility with clients. And it's okay not to have all the right answers. And it's okay to work through the answers with them. And it, it, it just spoke to this culture then that kind of mixed with this practical need in the market that I saw. And that really was the start of triple threat communications. That's really how, you know, it kind of came to be and, and, and then how we continued to move on from there and the model that I wanted to create and the culture that I wanted to create. 
So that message of it's okay to not have all the answers and to work through things with your clients spoke to you. It did very much so. I think that, you know, very much we're in a position that we need to have the answers and that we believe clients are expecting us to have all the answers when I don't think that's true. I think they're, I think what they're looking for is somebody to be able to come in and have the debate and the discussion and to take a point of view. And it doesn't always have to be the right answer. It's just through that process and that conversation that you end up getting to the right Mm-hmm. And to ask the right questions, of course, and, and absolutely. cover the needs. Yep. Let's just take a step back for a moment. We'll talk more about your entrepreneurial move there and what it's led to. But I just wanted to find out, you know, how has the year been for you all at the Triple Threat? You know, how has your agency weathered the pandemic? Yeah, it's been actually a great year. Um, you know, there was obviously a lot of uncertainty in the beginning. Um, we saw a number of assets that transitioned to more digital assets, as I'm sure a lot of brands and a lot of from agencies uh, saw, but it was actually a really good year for us from a performance standpoint. We did we did very well, and I know we'll get into this in a little bit more. But when I created Triple Threat, I created it very much based on a remote model. Well, one, I want to be able to get people and the best talent wherever I can, regardless of uh, geography. I want to hire people that have experience and that are adults. And so then I created, you know, really a remote model in which they came to the office maybe one day a week, the rest of the time they were at home or they were down with clients. In comparison to that, on my personal life, we've homeschooled our kids and they're both, uh, one's 21 and one is 18. So we homeschooled our kids. So when people would ask me exactly what you asked, well, how has everything changed? And I, I would say, well, I created a remote agency model and we've homeschooled our kids for two decades. So really nothing has changed. As much as things changed in the world and as much as they change in your personal life as it relates to how life is different than it was a year or so ago, from a work standpoint and an agency standpoint, it, it hasn't changed. We do today what we did five, 10 years ago. And how we do things haven't changed. We actually sent a little primer out to our clients early on, maybe that first week of lockdown. So maybe what, second, third week of March of last year. We sent a little primer and a little tips and tools on things that we know have worked for us working in a remote model. And it was all basic stuff, but it was stuff that I think helped them at least understand, all right, we can we can do this. And then I actually sent a, a note to some of our other clients that I knew really well. It were tips and tools to homeschool your kids. So I don't know how well that one worked out specifically, but as much of a change as it was in the in the world, from a practical standpoint, it didn't change really my home life from a, from how we school our kids or our work life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Let's just take a step back. Uh, I know earlier you you talked about you know the the, the founding of the agency, but um, just go over your background a little bit more. You know you started. Triple Threat Communications 16 years ago, uh, you had been with some of the big network shops and, and your experience there kind of led you on this entrepreneurial journey that led you to uh, kind of your current positioning, which is the unagency as a way to contrast yourself against the agencies that you once worked for. What, what makes you guys different? Yeah, it's funny. We uh, Early on, we had a discussion. We started to go down an anti-agency and then we realized, well, we can't be an anti-agency. We are an agency after all. <laughs> um, and so we kind of went down the uncola path. And, and really what makes us different is our DNA. And, it, and it's not really us versus networks. It's a matter of DNA. You can be a relatively small shop and have the same DNA as a large network agency. It's really about what drives you forward and what, and what gets you up every day. And we have a relentless focus on putting the client first. And that is maybe trite or overused in some instances, but when we talk about it, we talk about it in a way of, of it being very personal in that we want to make sure that our people wake up every morning thinking about the needs of their clients, not thinking about the agency. 
I wake up every morning thinking about the needs of our clients, not the needs of the agency. And I think that's the biggest differentiator between us and other agencies, whether they're big or small with a different DNA. And so, um, you know, when, when we talk about that, we talk about things like we don't give our staff or our account people revenue targets, because I don't want them thinking about the agency. I want them thinking about their clients. You know, we have this term we use all the time, which is lead dog versus big dog. So if we're going to lead a brand, we need to be able to lead the brand and lead the other agencies that work on that brand and lead them all towards a common goal of what's best for the client versus the big dog. And the big dog's the one trying to eat out of everybody else's bowl, right? And we're not, we're not interested in that. We're interested truly in trying to do what is best for the client, aligning our objectives with the client objectives. And if we do that, the agency will take care of itself. And as you said, we've been around for 16, 17 years. And so it's been proven, proven to work for us, at least. It is, a, you know, it's very much um, a process and a, and a thinking that we go through. Um, and when people are new to the agency, it may take a while for them to get that sort of idea in their head. I will have many conversations with them about, no, no, we don't want to do that because that's not really what's best for the client or find out what's best for the client and let's go do that. It may be going and finding an outside partner instead of saying that we can actually do something because we don't do it as well as maybe somebody that specializes in it. Well, let's go find that agency and let's bring them in so that we're actually doing things that are going to be able to move the client's business forward. Okay. Yeah. And, and to that end, back in 2016, you articulated a lot of these differences between yourselves and, and you know, what you wanted to be versus, you know, what you didn't want to be in kind of an open letter. And uh, you didn't pull any punches with this, uh, with the title of the letter. You called it the network agency model, big and broken. And in it, you gave a number of examples of what you saw as misdirected focus. You know, they're always consolidating and reorganizing. They often move their best people into higher ranks of management, which can make them less accessible to customers, et cetera. I'll ask you about the response in a moment to, to the manifesto when you put it out. But you know, your argument was that while the network agencies may have done a fine job during the industry's what I'll call the small molecule heyday, but now that it's moving away from the mass market brands and more into high science and rare disease, less PCP oriented, as well as more targeted amino oncology and gene therapies, that the bigger organizations aren't built for that and that clients need a different kind of partner, right? Was that the, the gist? Yeah, it was. It, it was really trying to say that the focus of the big agencies and the networks um, are really on the big agencies and the networks, and they're not on the client and how the client needs are changing. Um, and we did talk about the one, the one example where, and I'm sure everybody can relate to this, as you progress in your career and you do really well, you move up within an agency. And then when you move up within the agency, you move closer and closer to thinking about the agency every day, and you move further and further away from thinking about your client's business. And so it was always befuddling to me why you would have a model in which you take your best product and you move them further away from your clients. They may see them in a new business pitch. They may see them in a key strategy time, but you're taking your best people and you're moving them further. It'd be like if P&G took Tide and stuck it on the top shelf in the grocery store. They would never do that. They want it as close to their customers on the third shelf or whatever it is as they possibly can. And then to your point, as we move out of the kind of PCP small molecule, you know, just burn and churn sort of world, we've got a world in which things are much more specialized and agencies are much more specialized and the needs of our clients are much more specialized. And big, large network agencies in this instance, I don't believe are best suited to do that. One, their DNA is different. Two, they have all these issues and concerns about shareholder and shareholder value and what they need to do for what's best for the agency. And three, it's hard to turn a boat around. Those are big, massive ships. 
and they're hard to turn around. They can create a conflict shop or they can create a group that they're gonna call, it's a small agency and it's flexible and they're gonna be able to do the things that are best for the client, but they're still gonna to have to answer the same questions at the end of every month and at the end of every quarter. And so that by itself just takes you away from it. You know, I, I have focused on profit in a way that we need to make a profit. To be, to be obviously sustainable, we need to be a profitable organization, but I am not focused on maximizing profit. And there's a big difference right? Maximizing profit means you've got to sell in everything that you can, that you've got to charge the highest price and get the lowest cost in that system. And we just don't do it. We hire very experienced people and ask them to work day to day on the brands. That doesn't happen in a big agency. You're moving up and you're managing four or five different brands. Again, I, you know, we talked about we don't have revenue targets for people. We provide 100% healthcare because culture is everything to me. And I want to make sure that my people aren't worried about the healthcare or the cost of the healthcare. So we provide 100% healthcare. We have unlimited vacation time because I don't want people arguing or comparing, well, I've got two weeks and you've got three weeks. It takes their focus away from the clients and what they need to be doing on a daily basis. So we do a bunch of things that, that I wouldn't be able to do that I wasn't able to do in a big agency network where maximizing profit is paramount. And that we were trying to say with the manifesto, we were trying to say, hey, you know, it needs to be different. It can be different. And maybe the world is changing so that, so that there's room for it to be different. Sure, sure, and it sounds like you're building a great culture there, um, and, and you know, in the in the way you're supporting uh, your people. Well, what was the response to to the manifesto when you published it again five years ago? Yeah, so it was interesting. We actually had a couple calls from names that I knew within the industry um, that said, "Hey, this had to be said. Thanks for the courage to do it. We don't know if things will change, but we're glad that somebody's out there and talking about it and voicing it." And then we had some detractors as well that said, uh, "You know, this Asian the, the the model works fine." It's been working for decades, if not longer. It serves the client needs. I think that I think there was an ad recall survey done, and we didn't test well in the ad recall survey. So I don't know if people read it and didn't like what they heard, um, and so then it wasn't listed very highly in their in the in their ranking. But uh, you know, to me, it was just something that that we had to do. Uh, it was a little bit of a uh, you know the the moment in uh, oh, what was the movie where he wrote the. The, uh, the sports agent. Show me the money. Uh, Tom, yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, uh, McGuire. Yeah, oh, yeah, Jeremy. It was, it was a little bit like that Jeremy manifesto McGuire. in thinking, yeah. yeah, you know, we, we need to change and we think there's a better way to do it. And, uh, you know, what about now? Like, I mean, you know, sort of five years ago, you called for a leaner, more nimble approach to serving biopharma clients, but didn't the pandemic force everybody to a certain extent get better at adaptation and, and toggling very quickly? You know, is, is it still as relevant today as that message as it was five years ago? I think it is as relevant. I, I think that it, it's really about focus, right? And, and there was an, and we call out, we called out in that, that article that, you know, I, I remember reading an article years ago about uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates. I Bill Gates. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And they were asked name the one thing that made them successful, the one attribute that was the most important thing to their success. And it wasn't persistence. It wasn't persuasiveness. It wasn't money. It was focus. And so it's a matter to me of focus. And, and have the big network agencies changed their focus during the pandemic? I think they've changed how they work. I don't know that they've changed their focus. Um, and so I think it is it is as relevant. And it will be interesting. And, and uh, you, know, you probably have a much better handle on this than I do of what will the big agency work life look like in six months or a year? You know, will it go back to what it was? Will it be a hybrid of what it was? My guess is it's probably a hybrid, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we're, we're hearing a lot of elements of hybrid for sure. And, you know, you, you answered this uh, to a certain extent, but um, just want to put a finer point on it. Do, do you see your customers, you know, pharma brands, 
changing up their buying process, have their customers, the HCPs in turn, buying process changed? I think that is the biggest question, and that is the challenge that we have going forward. I think everybody's buying habits have certainly changed. Mine have in the past year. I think that that access to healthcare professionals has changed. I don't think that will go back to, to as open of a world as it was. I think they're they're more digitally savvy and more used to getting information digitally. And we were involved in a in a launch meeting a year ago in May. And it was it was a big large Zoom meeting with a lot of technical issues. And then we were involved in another one with the same the same client, another big launch meeting this May. And just the technology and the technological change from last year to this year is, is astounding. And so I say that because I think that relates to how our brands and their customers are going to have to work together and how it needs to be more interactive and maybe more of a two-way interaction digitally than it is right now, whether it's through omni-channel or some other way. But I think people have changed how they buy almost everything. And so I think that healthcare professionals have changed and will continue to change their buying process. We're looking very closely now at, okay, if that's the case, have our clients, have the pharmaceutical companies changed their buying process? And by buying, I don't mean how do they hire an agency as much as I mean, how do they work it every day with their agency? And while we had a, a remote model that was relatively unique five years ago, it's not as unique today as it was <clears throat> two years ago. So what are we going to do and what do we need to look at to improve how we're helping our clients maybe in their new buying process too. So I think that that is the question of the next 12 months that, that we need to figure out. And um, you talked about the propensity for, you know, the, the network agencies to um, get too far away from, you know, servicing the customer in your, in your mind. Um, you know, today it's far from a monolith as, as we know, in terms of who's acquiring smaller agencies, you know, you have a, a pickup in M&A activity of late coming from sort of these mid-tier buy and build groups, you know, that are uh, amassing different skill sets from different formerly independent agencies, you know, as they pursue more of an integrated approach to servicing the sector. And, you know, they allow the brands to operate autonomously in some cases within the larger group. So, you know, again, this calls into question, in my mind, what, what is the future for independent agencies? I'd like to get your take on that. I think the future is great, quite honestly. I think that because of the specialization of technology, specialization of the, of the things that we'll deliver and the specialization of the products that we work on, I think that, it's, that, it, that it is the best time for smaller independent agencies. I think there is an, there's an open-mindedness amongst our clients um, that they don't need to use the, the one big massive network agency that can do everything or say they can do everything across the entire spectrum, that there are better people suited to do specific different parts of what they do. So I think it is great. I think there's a lot of great agencies out there. I think um, to your point, it's not just um, you know the monolithic big network buying up other groups, but there are, there are smaller groups that have, that have started to form and, and come together. And I think you know from our standpoint, uh, we've had a discussion. We've had discussions with with some of them, but you know, right now it is it, culture is paramount to me, and creating a culture in which people can really thrive and do their best work and do it in a way, in which it doesn't uh, it doesn't overburden what they're trying to do from a lifestyle standpoint. That while there's been interesting conversations, I'm just not quite ready yet to say that I'm ready to to move on from our culture into into more of a mixed environment. Yeah, that that's a great segue, Tim. I was going to ask you, you know, have you had the opportunity to sell the agency? And why haven't you? Yeah, it really is that. It really is culture. I thought when I first started that that it, it was more about the organization um, and the clients and what we were providing and producing. And and for my job specifically now is really more about culture. How do I, one, create that culture? And then two, how do I continue to maintain that? That was the big question early on. 
right? It's pretty easy to create an agency and to create a remote agency that has all the things that we talked about it, but how do you bring it to scale and can you bring it to scale? And that was the biggest challenge that we've had for the last 15 years and probably will be for the next 15 years. I don't wanna change what we're about and who we are as much as we will change what we offer and, and, and the type of clients that we work with, I'm sure. Yeah, staying true to yourself um, as you um, evolve the business. Uh, that's what it's all about. To that end, I hope we can have another conversation, you know, as we move forward and, uh, you know, hopefully put this pandemic in the rearview mirror and get back to the things that we love. Yeah, I would love that. And uh, I appreciate all your time and, and having me on. I thought that was great. Absolutely. My pleasure. Okay, that was Tim Frank of Triple Threat Communications, and it was a terrific uh, conversation. Many thanks for listening. Come back soon for another one. This is Mark Iskowitz for the MMM Podcast. Take care, everybody.